So today we talked to Reagan Phillips. Reagan is the owner of Noonday Therapeutic Center. And what she does is she just talks to people all day. Her and her team talk to people all day about the things they're dealing with in life. So what we did is we went back to Reagan's childhood where she was raised at a boy's home. She then goes to the University of Alabama and plays basketball, meets the man of her dreams, goes to Italy and does some modeling. But then we unpack all the things that she's doing to help our adolescent athletes, adolescent kids, high school kids, and just her amazing journey and all the things that she's learned on this process. This is a fascinating episode, and I know you're going to love listening to Reagan. Okay. Reagan, thank you so much for being here today. I'm Thanks for having me. Um, so as we talked about in the opener, I've known Reagan just for a little while, and she was introduced to me and Jackie through a wonderful friend of ours, Carrie and Clint Spears. So Carrie and um, Reagan played ball together in yep. college. And so we're going to get into some of that later on. But the main question, the first question I want to ask, and I asked everybody this is, what, did, what do you do and why does it matter? What do I do and why does it matter? Um, what I do, we have a counseling clinic. Okay. Um, we do traditional mental health counseling with licensed therapists. We take insurance. Um, I think a little bit special about what we do that we love is we do a lot of brain work. And I think that's probably what we'll get into is how we got to that um, kind of neuroscience piece of mental health. Um, so we, we do... Um, a lot of brain mapping, which we do, like okay. the QEG of your brain, where we actually it's kind put, of a new, yep. trendy term. It, it is, it is. It's it's not new technology, but it is kind of catching up because, like, one of the guys that I like, um, Dr. Daniel Amen, he's got clinics all across the country. He makes a really good point, saying like, of all the things that go on medically in our world, we like if you have diabetes, you know what number you have, like, and you know what you need sure. to keep it in, right? Yeah, and so yeah. then we know what to prescribe. To do that. And how much to give you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But with our brain, it's like the one thing that will prescribe 18 medications and we've never looked at it once. Wow. So for me, that was very powerful. And as like we kind of went on this journey of figuring out what worked and what I've been in mental health for over 20 years. And okay. um, so this is all part of, you know, the story. But um, we loved the piece of being able to look at at least one picture. It's not a whole picture mm -hmm. of the brain, but it's at least one picture. It gives us a jumping off point of what we're looking at is we're looking at the electrical activity that's going on in the brain. Are so you were involved in mental health before mental health was cool because like 20 years ago, no one talked about mental health. Right. No, I mean, like it was like mental right. health. When you said, when I heard mental health 20 years ago, uh -huh. I thought nut house, yeah. crazy person, yeah, yeah. never heard the word anxiety, yep. all those things. So here we yep. are 2023, 2024, we're talking about mental health. You knew been in it for a while. For so, a while. So let's go back to like growing up. Okay. So, you're from Alabama. I am. Okay, so tell me like how you grew up, where you grew up, and all the kind of the, the, the I guess the birth to elementary, middle school, okay. high school stuff. Yeah, so, um, huh. so um, I'm a female, correct? Um, <laughs> yes, this that will make sense in a second. Yeah. I came home from the hospital to a boys' ranch. My parents okay. um, started and ran a children's home for orphan abused, neglected children. And we lived on the boys' ranch my entire life, my entire childhood. So the majority of my childhood, I'm the only girl in wow. the midst of, of tons of boys. Tons of boys. Um, I have one brother. Um, I have a husband, and I have three sons. So man, a lot of testosterone. A lot of testosterone. So in let my me world. stop here yes. for a second. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't believe we've not discussed this before. Yes. So when I lived in Tennessee for 11 years mm -hmm. in Cookville, Tennessee, and someone i'm not sure who did came to 
meet with your parents about the Big Oak Ranch. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Big Oak Ranch. Yes. The Big Oak Ranch. And then we started one, not we, not me. They started one yeah. in Tennessee. Yeah. Called the Mustard Seed Ranch. Yes. You uh, know that? Yes, I do okay. actually. So it, when I was there in Tennessee, I knew those people extremely well. Very cool. Then for probably three or four years, me, a girl named Risa Roberts, and a guy named Rich Froning raised yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars for the Mustard Seed Ranch. Phenomenal. We yeah. did a CrossFit competition. Cook was the mecca of CrossFit. And we did a CrossFit competition. I actually know this. I'm married to a CrossFitter. Uh, did not know that. Yes. We have. I know all the lingo. Do you really? Mm-hmm, I do. Well, I, I've, Bring I've, it. I've, I've been there. I don't do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I know it. So we did We did a competition for, I want to say, three or four years. I want to say we raised over $100,000 every year except one. That's phenomenal. For that's phenomenal. That place. And That's so awesome. it's a wonderful place. They got multiple houses. I don't know the, I don't know the size of Big Oak Ranch, but it's a pretty sizable place that uh-huh. they do. They have male and female. Yes. They have male houses Big, and Big Oak has male and female. They're in two separate locations. Yes. But yes, they have both. So I'm sorry to decide, no, but I did I not That's even not, think about that's that. That's my childhood. Yeah. I okay. grew up at the Boys Ranch, um, which, you know, like I think is part of like my story in taking me into sports mm-hmm. and, you know, because sure. it's like, what else is there to do? I guess, you know, when everybody's outside playing something, you might as well go play it too. Um, so that was my childhood. Um, fell in love with basketball, fell in love with sports in general, just in competition, Mm -hmm. you know, again, growing up with that much testosterone, it's like, you better jump in or get get overtaken. Um, so I'm so grateful for that, for just the mentality and the experience of that. Um, so that took me into high school athletics, of course. And then where'd you go to high school? I went to Westport Christian. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, um, just fell in love with Alabama, um, from an early age, I guess, going to camps and stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I got that offer, that was pretty much, yeah, yeah, that's where I want to go. So yeah, went there. Um, wish I knew. I wish I knew then the things that I know now about mental health. But you know, right. back then we didn't talk about mental health, like you said. No, um, there weren't the resources in place that there are today. No. Um, it's a lot of why I love a big aspect of what I do is to at least just talk about it. Like, hey, everybody feels like an imposter sometimes. This is sure. scary. This is hard. You yeah. know. Um, so went there and um, made just like probably didn't have the most stellar career. I decided to sign behind a, you know, three-time All-American who played in the WNBA for forever. Nice. You know, good choice. <laughs> good Don't come decisions. to me for recruiting exactly. advice. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> um, could have made better decisions there, but um, made lifelong friends, Carrie, yeah. one of them. Like, there's a group. I was a 17 ACT kid, which people out there are like, what? Can you even freaking read? Yeah. <laughs> I took it three times and still went to UAB on Well, probation. you podcast really well. I, you know? yeah, I could talk really good. Yeah. But um, so I knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So high school was kind of a joke. Um, I was not, this is a God's honest truth. I'm 43. But in high school, I was not r- made to write an essay till I got to college. Really? Yeah. 
Where'd you go to high school? I went to Just Linear and Hueytown High School. Okay. And yeah, so, I, I mean, is. normal 6A high schools in the state. Yeah. I mean, not super high academic, but just, but football player. I wasn't passed because of, of who I was, but I just wasn't made to do a lot. And so I get to college, knew what I was going to do. It was a 3.0 kid. Just, I didn't, I wasn't ex- extremely intelligent, but I worked really hard when I had to. And so I went to college. So have, maybe, 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 maybe you're highly intelligent, just not in the traditional education sense I am, of the word. That is, that is a very good way to say it. And I will take that. Okay. So I, uh, I was a, have a history degree. I've got a master's in education administration and sports management. So like I've got. So somewhere along the way you learned to read. I did. That's fantastic. I did. But here's the thing. I did not start reading until I got to college. But when I got to college and even through when I was coaching in college, I read a ton. And so. I honestly attribute a lot of like the, the the random things that my mom didn't raise me on through just reading actual mm-hmm. books. So I did that and we coached college football for 10 years, but I knew. So going back to you in high school, did you go, I want to be in mental health? That, no. So I what, so what so. was the thought when you go to college? I want to go be this when I grow up. Well, I, I did always love that aspect because I grew up around, like I said, orphaned, abused, neglected kids. There, there's, I always say, like, even moving to a group home is trauma in and of itself. Sure. Um, despite what maybe trauma history that you have, mm-hmm. just that separation from family of origin or whatever family you came from is a trauma in and of itself. And so I grew up around um, what we would now describe as, like, more dysregulated kids, like, because of, and we can talk about more. What about does that later. mean? Well, we can just dive in right, yeah. right now if you want, because um, it, it is a basis of a lot of, like, what, what, we, what the work we do. Like, we we all, all the stories are colliding here um your nervous system your nervous system regulates so much of what we do and okay. how we handle stress and how we handle our environment how we handle relationships um so the analogy that we use with most everybody after a brain map is we because that's what a lot of what we're looking at is like mm-hmm. the electrical activity and how your nervous system is handling life mm-hmm. right so the analogy we use is like pretend you're walking through the woods and you round a corner and let's pretend you're in montana like okay. around the corner and you see just a huge grizzly bear. What do you do? You run. You, <laughs> you, you freak out, yeah. right? <gasps> yeah. Like your whole body just goes into this alert state, which okay. is the way that God created us to do. Because otherwise, like if we, if we didn't go into that fear state, we'd walk right up to the bear and get eaten, right? So we need <laughs> that fear state. Sure. Right. So let's pretend we've seen this bear. We have this huge response in our nervous system. Okay. Let's, we run away. I love that because that's what I would do too. Yeah. My husband has since told me this is not what you do when you see a grizzly bear. You play dead? I, he he and like my son actually saw one. They went camping on their their manhood. My yeah. husband does this like manhood thing with our boys and they went out to Montana and saw a grizzly bear and her babies. And you actually stand your ground, you get your bear spray, whatever. And I told him, I'm like, well, I'm not giving wilderness advice. No. I'm just trying to yeah. talk about your... <laughs> don't, come, in the wilderness. don't come to me Notice for Notice analogy. Yes. I said the word analogy. Yes. Yeah. Like, don't... If, if we need a disclaimer, do not listen to me for <laughs> wilderness survival. survival. Okay? <laughs> don't run from a grizzly bear, yeah. supposedly. But for the sake of the story, let's say we see it, we have that huge, like, <gasps> reaction. Yeah. We run away. We find a cabin big cabin we shut the door we lock the door the bear goes away we take this just like huge breath down right Whew. because we're safe right right we kind of call that like the nervous system loop because what we want is we want to like close that loop it's okay. it's not bad that we got fearful like it's not bad that we responded in fight flight freeze 
And it's not bad that we regulate it back down. But what we're finding is that like, especially for teens, especially for all of us after COVID, all that seems to be a lot of what's happening is like, we're having this experience of the bear and we're taking off running and we're missing the cabin completely. Mm. And so we end up stuck in we that We just keep state. running. Right, we just keep running. And so a lot of what we look at on the brain map is like, what phase of that are you kind of stuck in? You know, are you stuck in the place, right? Or have we just run so long? So like mm. what, what we say a lot of times is like in the back of your brain, you've got a lot of imbalance back there, which I will say this, a lot of athletes do. We kind of call that rumination. But I also think that's kind of like where some of like with that rumination, like our, our worst case scenario lives yeah and so i add that to this analogy like you're running from the bear okay we missed the cabin we just didn't see it right. we missed the cabin we still think the bear's behind us right and you keep running so that little place in the back of our brain like just keeps going and you're going but then i start thinking oh my gosh i bet there's another bear down the mountain i'm gonna mm. go down this trail Ooh, what if the bear's dens down this trail i'm gonna go down this one well eventually you just end up exhausted like you just can't do oh. it right yeah so that's a lot of like what we what we try to look at and we kind of like want that to help inform the therapeutic process of like a little bit of more awareness than maybe we had without a brain map. So when you say brain, you've used the word brain map. Let's, let's go, let's like, what is an actual brain map? Okay. So that's just a, a, a word we used to describe. It's a QEEG, right? EEGs are what is used to measure electrical activity. You said in the brain. acute. Q. Acute. No, Q. Like Q the letter. Q. The letter Q. Quantitative. Okay. Quantitative EEG. Okay. And, the quantitative is on the front of that because there's a lot of algorithm statistical analysis based on norms where they measure you versus like quote unquote the norm the no for a yeah, guy sure. your age. You gotta right? have a like baseline. I'm not I'm not comparing you to like a six year old girl on sure. the analysis, right? Okay. So that's what the Q is for. It's okay. like running a quantitative measurement of that. How do we get that though? How do we get a, a brain map? Uh, like physically, this, like what do we do? You come to our office. Okay. And yeah. Then do it happens what? in our office. We have, we have nurses that we're in it. We put a big, like the big cap. Have you seen the pictures with the pretty, yes. pretty caps? And it's got like all the little yeah. holes in it and we squirt the little solution down in there and then we, we run it. You just run, run the system. Do you we ask questions through We don't, we don't. You we just want sit there you. Just, just so it's sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it doesn't. We usually tell people to kind of prepare for an hour, but okay. it doesn't always take an hour. We want two minutes of data with your eyes open and two minutes of data with your eyes closed. Um, the, the hiccup is that it doesn't read artifact. Artifact is what's the, like if you have muscle tension, like if your mm. eyebrows are, if you're blinking or if your jaws are clenched, those are all muscles. And sure. so it doesn't want to read the muscles. It only wants to read the electrical activity. So you gotta be relaxed. So you gotta be relaxed, but it takes, I mean, we, you know, you gotta blink people, yeah, you know, sure. so. Wow. Okay, so I don't even know where we were. No, that's Bring me fine. Back. That's it's great. So you go to school and you figure out that you want to do this. Let's talk about leaving. Well, my, my childhood, I like growing up with hurt people. Like, I, I think that being exposed to that level of hurt, I think it changes you. Absolutely. You know it. It. So, and I, and honestly, I always joke about this, but. Like, I didn't understand how weird my life was until I got to college. You thought it was normal. Because, I mean. It's all you knew. It's all I knew, you know. So you get to college and it's like, wait, hold on. Not everybody, like, you know. Hmm. It, you know what I mean? Sure. It's just, it's just different. Not that was my norm. Not everybody, not everybody, not, not everybody grew up in a boys ranch. Right, right. right. Oh. Um, and so I think that just becomes like a part of it. And like, you know, the Lord just put on my heart early. I want to help. I don't yeah. know how to help, but I want to help. Right. 
So transitioning from college, mm-hmm. what was the next step after you got done playing ball? And I got knew you were going to ask this. This right. is not fair. I don't know the answer. This, yes, you do know the answer. This is not fair. So I moved to Europe. That's right. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah, go ahead. I feel, I feel completely baited into this. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, so I moved to Milan, Italy to, mm-hmm. to do modeling for yep. a while. Um, and she's sitting down, but Reagan's absolutely beautiful, number one. And she's about six, one, six two. Close to it. I'm six one in the program. Six one in the program. Mm-hmm. So she's extremely tall. Mm-hmm. She's extremely lean, and if she looks like she could play basketball today, so go ahead. Oh, that that is that's a far cry. <laughs> go ahead. That's so a far gra- cry. You, I can't even run down the court. You graduated, <laughs> you graduated. Go to Italy. Yes. To model. Yes. Um, amazing experience. Um, always joke that. I got on a one-way flight, didn't know who was picking me up from the airport, and all this was before the movie Taken came out. Thank goodness. Very different. different you would have never went. Very different yeah. world, yeah. Tag um, Leeson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, hoping he would be around if exactly. I needed him, you know. Um, so lived over there for a while, um, tried it out. It was really cool, yeah. really fun, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things, but it just started feeling empty. You know, and mm. there was a moment kind of walking down the street, this beautiful cobblestone street, you know, in Europe and, you know, quote unquote, living the dream. But I was like, if I talk about face lotion one more time, oh you know, gosh. like, I'm like, I just, it just ha- wasn't how I grew up. Sure. It wasn't one. It's like moving from like a whole boys ranch to that world. Was, I mean, was, there, there probably was an in-between yep. somewhere, somewhere I could have found. So um, anyway, and I also was, was in love mm-hmm. and wanted to come home and he was waiting on me. So. There we go. There we go. Two years later. Um, See, I came home and knew that I wanted to help. Like, again, I said, I just didn't know how to help. So applied to grad school, went to grad school and loved it. And actually um, went back to Big Oak. um, And I worked there for 18 years as the. On the ranch? I worked on the ranch professionally for 18 years. So you worked on the ranch. As in the in the quote unquote for the business for the Big Oak Ranch, mm-hmm. so that was how like your paycheck, and that's mm-hmm. how you got, got yeah. paid. Now, did John David? John David's her husband. So, did John David? What did John David do during that time? He worked there as well. For, really, for a time, yes, for a time he did. Okay, he was the director for a time. Okay, mm-hmm. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So, you did that for eighteen years. Yes, leave there. And start your, what was the next yes. step after that? 18 years and then noonday. Here we are. So what would be your like title when you work at the Big Oak Ranch? Um, what would I, you like the? I finished as child care director. Okay. Yeah. So you're the child care director mm-hmm. at Big Oak Ranch. Mm-hmm. And then you feel led to leave, start your own business. Okay. So you said noonday. Noonday is the name of our okay, company. Where, like what's the, is there a website? What's the yes, website? Noonday.org. Noonday.org is the website. Yes. So you start your own business. So yes. when you go into doing this. Tell me how that, what that process looked like. Well, um, I had a, I've got a friend who's actually my business partner. Um, she's an OT by trade, but she comes from a family that has like, they've started a lot of businesses and done well. So they understand stuff that like, I don't, because I've been in ministry my whole life. Um, so it's just a different world. You know, when we first started, she was like, quit giving away things. (laughs) she's like we have a we mortgage church. <laughs> yeah. she's like nobody's tithing no she's like stop giving it away she's like, stop giving it away she's like just doing things a little bit different than Mm. maybe we had seen before. And um, 
the places that we really liked, we felt like the Lord had led us to had this huge brain work component to it. Where this you for work, the brain, the brain mapping. Right, thought. right. Okay. Where like you work on the brain, you work on the nervous system so that like we, we, we system so that like we, we, we are able to change faster and feel change yeah. faster. Cause that's so much of the thing people lose heart on. Cause what we're trying to do when we're changing behaviors is like rewire neural activity, like our neural pathways. We're trying to change the way that we think. Right. And mm -hmm. that happens over time. That's why I'm, you know, go to therapy it happens sure. over time. Um, but, but some of these things were able to speed that up. And that excited me for kids who were from really horrible backgrounds right. who really, Honestly, maybe their nervous systems didn't know another way to feel. So, so, it's, so instead of sitting down with, with Johnny that's had these problems mm -hmm. or Susie that's mm -hmm. had these problems and just talking through mm -hmm. them, like sitting on the couch like you see mm -hmm. in a movie, mm -hmm. you do the brain mapping. We do both. And that's what I'm saying. You do yeah. the brain mapping coupled with yes. the physically talking, talking through the out, therapy, right. the therap therapy part. Yeah. And you feel like that gives you a major advantage over it just does. Dr. So-and-so sitting on a couch. I mean, there people are doing great work everywhere and everybody is different. But for us, that has been, yeah. it, it has been, uh, it's, it's just been a game changer for us, for sure. Yeah. Right. So Com combining those, combining, combining those things. Both and, of them. and we, like our tagline on our website is um, mental health science filtered through the lens of the gospel. So what mm. we mean by that is, um, we don't do biblical counseling because mm -hmm. the church is wonderful at that. Right. Church is wonderful at that. And there's a place for that. Sure. No doubt about it. Um, what we do is we use very, we use scientific methods, mm -hmm. you know, empirically backed, peer reviewed, clinically researched, right. all things. We use those scientific things. What, but what we do is that if those modalities can stand up against scripture, mm. we're a go. That's awesome. But if we can't stand it up to scripture and the gospel and that our footing is in Christ, mm -hmm. then we don't use that modality. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So you, you can come to us and you, you may never hear scripture Anything talk about, about it. You may never hear Jesus talked about, you know, we more than welcome it if you want it. Sure. Absolutely. Our, you know, our, all that, but wow. that's kind of like our tagline. Yeah. So what is the number one thing people come to you for? Um, I would probably say anxiety now. I, I would probably say anxiety. So whether that's sports performance anxiety, whether that's work anxiety in adulthood, um, anxiety just seems to be a big thing in our in our culture right now. But we have lots of things. That's kind of a hard. That's a hard question to come from. But people typically call us wanting a brain map. Like so they they've heard the, of somebody that had one and that kind. So of that's thing. the one th one of the things that people mm -hmm. call. Hey, I want a brain map. Yeah, 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 yeah. How can you help me? Yeah. Okay. That's probably what gets gets yeah gets so, people in the door. So we talked about this. So she's got a son that plays basketball at you know, University of Tennessee. Uh, got another kid that's a really really good athlete that's a Jew, sophomore. sophomore at Trustful. Mm -hmm. Seen him play a couple of weeks now, and then you've got a sixth grader mm -hmm. that's a phenomenal basketball player. Never seen him play anything else, but I imagine he's probably a good. It's his first athlete. year at football, so we're learning. Learning. We're learning. But the genetics are phenomenal. Uh, dad that played quarterback at Alabama and a mom that played basketball at Alabama. I mean, both of you are tall, strapping individuals. So you deal this with- is, You're like a hype man. Yeah, I am. I appreciate I am. it. Like we give a trap slap here in a yeah. minute if you need it. So adolescent athletes, mm -hmm. you grew up around them. Mm -hmm. You have three yourself. Mm -hmm. What is the biggest problem right now you see with adolescent athletes? Um, pressure for performance. 
I would say that if we're putting pressure, it needs to be on effort and motivation and not on performance because we're, what we see a lot with athletes that we work with is this deterioration of identity of self when performance is not well, like when we don't play well, when we don't do great, it's, it's a rocking thing of who I am as a person, not just who I am as an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the more that we can put our effort into when I say our effort, our effort as parents, as coaches, as mentors, put, put our effort into their effort. Mm. Like it's gotta be about your effort. You know, my kids always joke about my husband, my husband, he's just a phenomenal dad. He's just like the best dad ever. Um, I really, honestly, I'm on this podcast, but he's the one that you should be talking to about raising boy athletes. Um, he's always just been about, how hard you try, like your effort, because that translates to life. You're not always going to be an athlete and there's always going to be somebody better. Always. So if you are determining your mood for the day, your level of anxiety, your identity that I'm better than whatever, it's going to crumble because you're always going to meet somebody better. Yeah. Always. They said they'd done studies where they took a group of kids and they complimented them on Reagan. You're so smart. You're just so yes. smart. I am just so proud of you These for being so studies. smart. Yeah. And then they took another set of kids mm-hmm. and they said, Reagan, I am just so proud of how hard you yes. work. You are the hardest worker I've yes. ever met. I'm just so proud. Yes. What they saw is that the kids that were complimented on how smart they were didn't want to push or didn't mm-hmm. want to ex- go any farther because they didn't want to disappoint you yes. because they think they may not be as smart the next time because their identity and worth is wrapped up in Being that smart. performance. Yes. And we want, well, we want our identity in Christ I Absolutely. Mean, first and foremost, but right. as an athlete, like, like we don't, you're going to win. You're going to lose. You don't always Correct. win and you got to win well and lose well. And I know that's like the cliche thing, but we can't let our quote unquote mental health mm-hmm. ebb and flow with that based off of wins and losses. Right. No. Right. So I think that's, so let talk to me about, you've kind of got an inside look behind the curtain because you see all these things and you've got three athletes and you're around about all these time, all the time. What's the top thing I can do as a parent to help my child athlete? Mm. Have these conversations. What conversations? The ones that you and I are having yeah. right now about like, Hey, your identity is not in that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I genuinely believe with the majority of the athletes that we work with, if their parents would come in and do their work, we wouldn't have to do as much work with the athlete themselves. Mm. Um, And by that, I mean, do your own work and recognizing, are you placing any value in your child's accomplishments? Are you placing any value of your worth and what your children are doing? Um, cause if so, they know it, whether intuitively they know it, they, they yeah. feel it. Right. Right. So I would encourage parents, especially like, especially parents that like want to be really involved in like the coaching and stuff like that. Like, like I love it when parents will do their own work, meaning go to therapy, mm. talk this out. Yeah. Why is this a driving force for you? Why do you care if your child does well or yeah. doesn't do well? Like be honest with yourself. And does that change my perception of them if yeah. they do well or don't do well? Does it change my perception of myself as a parent if they do well? I think I think for me, when I see Jonna play and I see Tegan play, so I got a 14 and 11 year old, I don't I get pissed 
when I feel like they're not busting it. Yes. Totally different than performance though. But like Jonna will have days where she just doesn't play well. Mm-hmm. And Tegan will have days where he throws the ball to the team. And I get pissed at that. But I get, I think I get more upset. I'm like, hey, bro, you didn't try. Yeah. And I don't see it a lot, but you see it every now and again. Yeah. And you're going to have days like that. You're definitely going to yeah. have days. There's, I, I think I started this story earlier. Um, our kids were joking the other day about, um, I think Cade scored, I don't even know how many points he scored, probably up close to 30. Windmill Duncan, you know, all the things, mm-hmm. blocking shots left and right. I know I'm no his mom and I'm prejudiced, but he's, he, he just loves to play, right. you know, um, y- you know, you'd think, oh, yay, this is going to be a good night. Well, he was loafing. He was loafing up and down the court, looking a little like nonchalant, lackadaisical, whatever. Um, it, it was, um, you know how like you, they say when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's true for daddies too. So we all knew, oh, daddy's not happy with this whole performance, you know. Even though he scored 30 it points. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Um, and, I, you know, he, I don't know. He may or may not have thrown a water bottle against a wall behind the bleachers, but that is probably, mm. um, you know, he would love it that I would tell this story. But so after the game is over, our middle child, Will, runs to find Cade and is like, hey, dude, dude, stay away from dad. Dad's going to kill you. He's so mad at you right now. And it's like, I just scored almost 30, points. Scored 30 points. It's like, what are we talking about? Whatever. But it was about effort. It was mm. about like, I don't care how many points you score. Like when I see you not care – and have this just like lackadaisical. He said, that is, that's not being a man. Mm. When you, when you go to be a man in life, you don't get to be like that. You don't get to not care. You don't get to Mm. take the day off from your kids or your wife or whatever. And this is preparation for that. This is not preparation for whatever. I mean, we, if he wants to have a great career, he wants to keep going. Yay. I do. If he wants that, I want that for him. Right. Right. Mm, That's, that's unreal. That's so good. So, and we rode home with someone else, just by the way. <laughs> just, just to make sure. Um, we okay. let them have some alone time. Yeah, exactly. So they wouldn't, we wouldn't mm. interfere. Yeah. Um, so talking of going from, we talked about child athletes a lot. How can you help a business owner in what you do? Um, well, you own a business. What's, do. what's the, what's the hardest part of owning a business? The people. Okay. So what like, is it? What is, what do the people do but, that but, affect you? The best part about owning a business is the people, but the worst part is the people. So like fair the, the people part of you have people that are extremely thankful for what you do. Mm-hmm. You have a staff that's extremely thankful for what you do, but then you also have people that are a royal pain in the butt because they're extremely needy. They have unreal expectations. Um, but then also you've got staff that could be – extremely entitled or don't want to do this or don't want to do that. And they don't show up or whatever. Mm-hmm. How many employees do you have? Uh, probably 15 or 20. Okay. Something like that. But like from a service standpoint, I tell my team all the time, when you walk into an event, you've got about three minutes to figure out, does the client want you to be their friend or the help? Mm, that's interesting. And you have to figure that out really quickly. And whatever it is that they view you as, you have to, and I hate using this term, you have to lean into that. Yeah. So if Reagan is the client and Reagan, I walk in and I feel that Reagan sees me as a friend mm-hmm. or at a quote equal mm-hmm. or just, 
I need to lean into that. Engage, because yeah, engage me. Engage yeah, with yeah. you. But if I walk in the door and Reagan views me as the help, I need to be invisible. Okay, that's and interesting. And so you have to, so you'll go, you'll go two days in a row and have somebody that views you as the help mm-hmm. and they don't even want to see you. They don't even know mm-hmm. your name. And then you got at the end of the night, the next day, they're hugging you when you leave, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So as a business owner, dealing with people is probably the number one thing. I would say for me, I have a very, very hard time and I'm, pray through this constantly that the Lord will keep me focused throughout the day because owning multiple businesses, having 15 or 20 employees, multiple meetings a day, different, I have to hop from business to business Mm -hmm. in my mind. The focus part of what I do is extremely difficult sometimes. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I kill it and sometimes I fail miserably. That's fair. Um, But I can't be, I don't, I've gotten good at not beating myself up Mm -hmm. at not thriving in the focus. everybody's ticked at you whatever how do, how do you feel I feel like a failure as a leader okay that's an easy answer so what I would challenge a business owner is dive into why you would feel a, like a failure because mm-hmm. you're not you have a successful business you got hired to do that right so I would like look at that as like what part of you is rising up to that so parts work we're going to get into theory and that kind of thing but like when we have anxieties, when we have those messages that come mm-hmm. to us, there's typically a part of us that feels that at the moment. And what we want to do is figure out like what part of me feels this and is attach- attaching that feeling to this moment. Okay. Right. And where did it come from? Right. So that's why I say like, it's the same as in, even like with the coaches and parents, it's like, do your work. So then when what that do you mean, part, do your work? go to counseling, go oh. to therapy, go learn, like, why does this part rise up for me today? So, so that I, as a business owner can, can run the marathon and not the sprint and I can sustain and not let my failure or success ebb and flow with whether or not my staff figured out their role. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. I also think that we talked about this earlier and we didn't really realize it is having a short memory on. Yes. Be a goldfish. Like tell Tegan, you know, you got to, when you throw an interception, you got to, First thing you got to do is what happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What did I do incorrectly? Mm -hmm. And then immediately you got to wash it. You got to be done with that play and learn, but go to the next play or the next whatever. Right. I feel like I do a pretty good job at washing it Mm -hmm. and then trying to go to the next day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, we have to rehash it Uh, and whatever, but like you got to fix the problem. Yeah. So, um, how do you do with confrontation? Like, it, like, let's say your staff, like just really botched it. Right. Yeah. Do you do all the constant confrontation? Like, are you able to go deal with it head on? Does dealing with it head on, like make yeah. you feel better, harder? So, th- so the, here's what I have learned. Um, do not, and this is a combination of, of Jackie and I both is when you get frustrated at something, don't touch it with that person immediately fair because I'm extremely emotional. Number one. Mm -hmm. And when you're emotional, you say things you shouldn't say. Mm -hmm. 
Um, number two, I probably don't have all the facts. Fair. Uh, and number three, I need to ask questions as opposed to making accusations. So what you just described sounds like someone who has done their work, right? So the business owners who maybe are not in the place where they can name those things you just mm -hmm. named, but they just know that they're flying off the handle. They're losing staff left and yeah. right. Their anxiety is like off the charts, like doing your work, going to therapy means at learning to ask those questions yeah. of myself, take a step back. Like, um, and there's even a part of that that's the bear. So as a business owner, you know, we talked about the bear yeah. analogy as a business owner, our bears can even be the idea of the loss of business like sure. the loss of that client. That's yeah. a bear for me. Oh yeah. Because I've got payroll to run and mm. I've got these things. So that's a, <gasps> right. So the more that I can learn to ebb and flow out of that nervous state system, like I'm going to be better able to handle what those things you what just those said. Things are. Yeah. For me, when I get frustrated at something, I write it down mm -hmm. to discuss. There's a lot of, I have this sheet that our team So having those things is, and as a business owner, you've got to constantly evolve unless you own a franchise and it's laid out for you. Yeah. 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 You got to constantly evolve to figure out the fit the feedback loop of like mm -hmm. getting feedback, making changes, getting feedback, making changes mm -hmm. from your staff, but also from your clients. Yeah. Because it's critical that you can make those changes. And something I think really important, I heard you say in the midst of all that is something you, I think you said you wrote it down that mm. we've got to do this differently. Yeah. That tells me something about you and the kind of boss you want to be that we are in this together. We are going to do this different this together. We are going to do this different, which is part of what, when I'm saying do the work, not everybody is going to maybe want to speak that language or need I, everybody's yeah. different. Everybody's different. But like that says something to me about you and the, the more probably team mentality you try to have for your business of like, we need to do this different it's even just a vocabulary shift. Yeah. Right. But it, that's a message that your staff probably gets is like, we are going to do so. this different. Yeah. And I don't always use that, but like, for example, if Luke screws something up, mm -hmm. 
no one's going to know that he screwed this up. Mm-hmm. It, everything rises and falls on I, absolutely on me. Mm-hmm. And so, even though Luke screwed the thing up, I can't go tell whoever the client is, "Hey, got a new guy, Luke." <laughs> I was watching Ted Lasso and he screwed this up. <laughs> Luke's know? the bomb. Yeah. Luke's the bomb. So like you can't do that because yeah. everything honestly rises and falls right. on me. Right. But in doing that, what support, what message are you sending your employees? I don't really know. Tell me. I mean, I hear that like, I've got you, I've got you yeah. back. I'm not going to like lead you out to slaughter. Yeah. You know, because it does. I mean, I I don't want because then they fail, I fail, mm-hmm. and and whatever the case may be. Well, and and if people are the backbone of your business, oh yeah, then you've absolutely. got you you want them to know that they're valued and that sure. you'll stand there and you know right take the hit. So let's go back to like what you're doing okay. with Noonday. What is like the num? What is the number one problem you see in high school kids? Just kids in general. Um, number one problem in high school kids. I mean, I, I know I said it, I think I said it earlier, anxiety, but there, there's just a tremendous amount of anxiety and, um, I'm going to get on my soapbox and my kids, if they were here, their eyes would be rolling right now. I feel it That's right great. now as I speak. Um, I, th- I think we got a dopamine issue with mm. our, our culture in general, but I think there's a huge dopamine issue with our teenagers, especially with the screens. Um, so dopamine, what is dopamine? Dopamine used to be called the reward chemical because in mice they would measure the dopamine. They, they'd put out a task in front of them, and then when the mice finished the task, they'd measure their dopamine. They had this huge surge of dopamine, right? So they called it the reward chemical. But what we are finding is that, like, it's almost like it's a pursuit chemical because what they they found is that when you took that reward away from the mice and the mice still did the task, they still had the same level of dopamine. So it was about doing, it was about motivation, right? So let's take that thought, okay, screens. I will just be totally transparent. Instagram reels gets me. It just gets me. It's great. I, it's great. I don't, it, I get so excited on a subconscious, this is all subconscious process, mm-hmm. but like as I'm going like that next reel, I don't know, is it going to make me laugh? Is it going to make me cry? Am I going to learn something? Am I going to want to send it to my husband? Oh, well that's, that's yeah. a definite for sure. <laughs> for sure. It's like, which person am I going to send it yeah. to? You know, who's going to think I'm so witty and yeah. learn so much, you know? So, but, but there's this whole process that's happening, but what we're finding is like, we're getting these surges of, I, I kind of call it like a false dopamine. And I don't think that I originated that term just for the record. I just don't know where it came yeah. from. I would give credit to whoever sure. would give it. We, we, whoever deserves it. It's like a false dopamine because I'm getting this flood of it, but I'm getting it for free. Like I'm putting no effort into it. And so it's like the mice, like, like they had a pursuit. They were, they put the effort, the journey, right? So we are just getting floods of dopamine with absolutely no effort. So we come out of our screens, we go into real life. Well, who cares? Who cares about anything? Because in a minute I can go back and get as much peace and tranquility from dopamine as I want to get on my phone with no effort. Right. Um, so 
that is a huge crisis, I feel like, facing really all of us, but especially our teens. Because where I'll regulate, regulate, and I use that word very yeah. loosely, where, where I'll regulate myself and um, maybe I only do Instagram, right? Our kids have Snapchat and TikTok and the, the list is endless of the, of the notifications that they're going to get in a day. Right. And so I I use Instagram reels for myself as an example, but it's really our smartphones and our devices Mm. in general, because even our work email, I still get a hit of dopamine of what's it going to be about. Right. Every time I pick up my phone, I'm getting this, this is a part of everyday life. Um, Anna Lemke wrote, wrote a fantastic book about dopamine and addictions and stuff. If anybody wants to go check it out, it's fantastic. But she, she talks about like just doing a hard reset. If you realize like you're struggling with it, right? right? Smartphones are the hardest because how do we do a hard reset from smartphones? Right. Very difficult because you have it to function every day. Right. So, So my next question is this, do you limit your kids' social media? (laughs) We do. Um, we are those parents. We are those parents. What are you, so tell me what their limits are. So, um, well, 16 and- I've got 19 year old freshman in college. Yep. He's on his own. He's learning to regulate himself. Yep. Um, it's part of the journey, part yep. of growing up. So he's, he's on his own. Um, which makes me sad. And if we took time, I'll just start crying just yeah. even at the statement, but I am proud of him. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm my, fine. I promise. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, our 16 year old, we, we, um, we go through different seasons of like how much we'll let him, but a lot of times we try to put a two hour cap a day on his a day? Mm-hmm, on his social media, on his scrolling and screen time. Okay. What mm-hmm. about, um, and that's, we don't, and we don't do Snapchat. So what is, what is he allowed to have? He has Instagram. He has Twitter because of sports, sure. you know, and then, um, I think he has Facebook, but no, let's mm. be honest. None of the kids do Facebook, not Facebook, right? What about um, Gibbs? You're Gibbs has tw- none. 13, 13, 12? He is 12, 12. in sixth grade. Okay, he has good. none. He um, he has a quote unquote phone, but it's just, it calls and texts. Okay, yeah. so he does And have I think a he has like a Madden game on it. Yeah. But it has a limit as well. His is about, I'll unlock his on a certain day here and there, but we try to limit him to 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. A day. Okay. Um, two hours. You can stop the filming. Two hours? Mm-hmm. Is that a lot or is that not a lot? That seems like that's an astronomical amount. I have a 15-minute time limit on my Instagram. That's, no, on mine, I, I do. But this is like for him to look through Twitter. This is for mm-hmm. him to do like the recruiting stuff through Twitter. Because, you know, they do all the like, yeah. that's all this world. This yeah. this is, this is that's everything. That's text so, messages. That's so they're communicating stuff. through, mm-hmm. you can continue filming. Mm-hmm. They're communicating through. He, he is he is not texting as much as he's communicating through these platforms, whether it be Instagram or Twitter or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he texts a lot as well. Um, in my office, I have people who come in who their kids' screen times are up into the 8 and 10 and 12 hours a day. Easily. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're, they're proud of themselves when they get to four hours of screen time. Yeah. If I hit five, I am like, feel like a loser. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm 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 in the fours right now, of over of not, minutes is what you're saying. Four minutes? No, four hours. Oh, a got day it, got it, got it. Of in of of, of like my Screen phone, time, which is not always like, fair for us as an adults because I'll spend a lot of time on email. I know? look at I can look at mine yeah. and go, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. here's the other thing too that I rationalize. I'm rationalizing myself, but like I will. I'm a YouTube guy. 
So like YouTube I'll does the same dopamine hit. Forty five minutes of like that. I guess that's my show, my TV show. Yes, and it's I, so. Do you like? Do you like the short videos? No. Like, well, I will, but like for the most like what part, do you want? No. like what we what we look at. Like I'll instead of listening to a podcast on uh-huh. Spotify, I will listen to it on YouTube. Is it like an hour or something? Yeah, like okay. I listened to it this morning while I worked, while I was at the gym. Okay. So like, I think that plays into it. So I, yeah. mine's four hours, but I have a fifteen minute l- limit on Instagram and TikTok. For you, for your kids, for, for everybody. John of 14 has zero social media. At 14, yeah. Tegan at 11, obviously yeah. none. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, and Gibbs has a phone number also because we just moved to a new town. Sure. Like it, there was a little bit of extenuating circumstances Absolutely. for him. Absolutely, knowing this, knowing, uh, yeah, sure. It, just we're in a new town. He doesn't, you know, doesn't even really know his teacher's names yet. Absolutely. He's learning them. Learn, he, he's he's learning them. He's getting there. Yeah. Um, okay, what is the, like, What's the best part of your job? Mm. People changing, people feeling better. Yeah. No doubt. You can see it in their face. Like our um our operations manager, like she she kind of runs our team of like the office staff, mm-hmm. you know. She says it best. She's like, I love my job because I get to see people when they come in the first day, you know. Maybe they're crying in the car sure. or whatever, you know, like just have this one look on their face and then you see them over time and they're just like a, they look like a completely different person. Wow. Um, and, and, and they were part of that journey. Yeah. Like that's just like, that's just the best. Wow. It's just the best. And it's such an honor that God would even just allow, allow us as just fellow humans to walk that road together. I mean, it just, is, it, to me, it is just proof that we were created for relationship absolutely created for a relationship upward and outward so we've talked about anxiety a lot because mm-hmm. i asked a question about adolescent mm-hmm. athletes but I also asked a question about high school kids mm-hmm. what's the number one non-drug non-drug prescription for youth anxiety um put the phones down okay put the phones down um let's let's re-regulate some of that you know dopamine stuff happening um we have um we have something, and I don't know if this is what you're asking, but we have something called microcurrent neurofeedback. Have you okay. ever heard of that? Nope. It is um, transcranial electrical stimulation. Okay. So where we actually deliver an electrical current, which sounds very dramatic, and mm. it sounds like yeah. old electroshock. Like like, no, not yeah. that. It's not that at all. It's like you don't you feel absolutely nothing. Um, for those people that it works for, it is life changing, life changing. Really? It just doesn't work for everybody. Um, so what I tell people is like on a scale of one to 10, we have some people who have literally like level 16 results. I mean, it's just, they're off eight medications They're They just feel like themselves again for the first time in 10 years. And it's just, it's life-changing. Wow. I, we can have somebody else who has an absolute zero notices, no notices absolutely nothing. Wow. And we never know if you're going to be a zero, sure. a five or a 16, you know, until you try it. But for attention, it's working phenomenal. Um, we have a lot of business owners who come in for that just for like a little, they kind of call it like a brain spa kind of treatment. It just kind of enhances attention and cognitions and focus mm. and, um, just clears the cobwebs a little bit, yeah. just kind of gets things back online really well. Like, um, once you kind of, what we, we say is like people typically do like a series of treatments to kind of really get that, get it rebooted almost. And then after that, like you just kind of come in for touch-ups here and there as you just kind of want a little, little touch-up. So it is worth looking into and trying before any drugs are prescribed. I mean, 
I say yes, because that's a lot of our business yeah. model and our business practice. But I will say that we have the people who know about microcurrent coming in, the majority are coming in to try to get off medication because medication comes with all kinds of, di- we're not anti-medication yeah. at all. Um, but we have a lot of people come into us trying to see, can I come down on medications? Sure. Can I, you know, like come off of them, whatever. So yes, it's, it's always worth a try is what I tell people. Like it's worth a try. It may not work for you. And if it is, that's okay right. either way. But if it does work for you, then yay. Perfect. Let's roll. Yeah. yeah. That is a great clip. It's a great question. Pat myself on the back. You're you, such a good question. But you great. answered it wonderfully. You're like it wasn't long and drawn out. Oh. It was like. It's the coffee. The screens. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's the screens. And then you went into the. What is, what is it called again? Microcurrent neurofeedback. Like that's. Like I would pr- hope and pray that you get gazillions of dollars of business of that. <laughs> Like, cause that's a great answer. Um, we also have something called traditional neurofeedback. I don't know if you watched that um, QB show that just was out with yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes, did I say yeah. that right? That yeah. Didn't sound right. Um, and Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Like, yeah. Kirk did Cousins you see, was like. Did you see that? Yeah, that's I a did. Q, that's a QEG. Got it. That's a QEG. So we based, based on where we find imbalances in your QEG, yeah. we can actually do brain training which is different than the microcurrent wow. feedback. We actually are going to train you to be able to come in and out of those states, like the cabin. Sure. You learn to be able to train. I hear I'm at the bear and now I'm at the cabin. Like mm. I can control that. And so for like, I, I can't remember how he worded it, but the way I kind of heard him say it is that like for to be able to control that in a game is, is just huge. Like how fast can I be a goldfish yeah. to control myself, to get out of that heightened state of, oh my goodness, I just messed up in front of millions of people. Millions of people. Right. Okay. So you went and did a, a session. So my wife is the head volleyball coach at Trustful High School, which is a 7A high school here in Birmingham. You went and did a session with them. And Jackie and I have talked about it multiple times. You talked about something that Kay does with his feet. Yes. Okay. Go through that why he has this thing that he does to is it was it to regulate it, we call it grounding okay so let me ask the question again so you talked with jackie's team in a session that mm-hmm. you did with them mm-hmm. you talked about something that they call grounding mm-hmm. tell me what grounding is and how it helps athletes be where your feet are be where your boots are have you heard that phrase kevin elko uh, there you go um so I think LeBron said it really well um, in, in a talk he did about like if he allows his brain to go to the millions of dollars at stake, his family's watching, sponsors are here, mm. his coach is there, his teammates, families are, their incomes are riding on whether or not he does well. Like he's like, there's only, you know, we tell athletes all the time, you only have a certain amount of bandwidth in sure. your brain. And if 90% of it is taken up on thinking about all those other things, there's only a little bit left to put towards that shot, right? <laughs> the ball in the basket, right, yeah. right. But that's what, that's what needs to be done. So it's called present centered attention, being present in the moment, like quieting all the outside noise, quieting all the stuff that goes on. Remember I told you how yeah. athletes, we have all so much imbalance in the back of our brains because mm-hmm. we have that just stirring goes. I think it's a lot of what drives us, right. but learning to control it. So what, what Kay does is 
we, we do these breathing exercises. We do this present centered attention where we really draw very specific attention, specific attention to like, where are you feeling what in your body and what is that communicating to you? Physically on your body. Like, okay. well, we're not, you're not feeling it with your hands. It's like an exercise. Yeah. Like we're mentally, I'm like, it's kind of like you look at it as if you have a flashlight and you're just shining it across your body. What am I feeling? And what mm -hmm. is that, what is that feeling communicating to me? Mm -hmm. Right. And so for him, one thing that's very strong that gets him back, like we want you back in that flow. You, you hear flow, yeah, flow, flow present yep. centered attention. Yep. Right. So for him, his feet recognizing and all he does is draw attention to the feeling of the bottom of his feet to the ground. Mm -hmm. Like, and he'll grab his feet sometimes and like, like wiggle his toes. Like we want all the noise to quiet. And so all attention goes to that moment. Right. Cause he knows how to shoot free throw. Yeah. He knows how to shoot. We've done that 18 million times. Right. We've prepared. I don't need to, overanalyze all that yeah. at this point. I just need to do what I do. Mm -hmm. Right. So be where your feet are for him. It's a bigger, th his is actually his feet, Yeah. but everybody is different. Some people, it's their chest. Some people, it's their head. Some people, it's their hands. Right. I work with a lot of football players, like wide receivers are very particular about their hands, yeah. right? Baseball players really big about their hands and yeah. forearms. Everybody's different. So this is a thing that they recognize mm -hmm. that they can get back to center, mm -hmm. get back yes. to quiet. Yeah, present center attention. Man. Get in the moment. Love that. In an instant. And you have to practice it. That's what I like, think that's you what I'm You can't just show up on game day and You do can't it. show up on game day and it's do gotta it. It's got to be something you do you in gotta practice. You got to do the work. You got to do yep. the work beforehand, and then you got to practice the work. So we've talked about kids. We've talked about, you know, athletes. What's the single best thing a family can do to stay mentally healthy? So total, total vulnerability, transparency. I go to therapy. Mm -hmm. I went this morning, actually. Yeah. Um, I think it is the single best thing I do for my family. Um, because my mom said something so beautifully to me one time. She said, take the best parts of me and leave the rest. Yeah. Um, and that just always stuck very profoundly with me because I'm like, that's what I want for my kids too. Sure. Like take the best parts of me. The best parts of Reagan. Yes. Yeah. Best parts of me, yeah. Reagan, your mom. Take the best parts of me and build on it so that my grandkids get an even better version, mm. right? And if we just keep doing this, then then we can break all kinds of generational wow. poo, yeah. right? Um, and we carry, there, there's research out about how we carry generations of trauma Absolutely. in our bodies and in our stories and in our families. And I think the best thing that we can do is us as parents is do our work to let the worst parts stop with us. Mm. Matt Chandler's a, a pastor yeah. that I love uh, out of um, Texas. And he's like, our job is to break the generational curses and the generational sure. stuff, right? Yeah. Now, we're, we may create some new ones, but that's their job to fix those. Right. But at least let that trauma stop with us. When you say generational curses, what you, like I know what one is in our family. Uh -huh. So my dad's, my granddad, my dad's brother, and my dad were all dealt with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so... I feel like that was one in our family. Right. And, Great example. Huh? Great example. And like, I had no alcohol till I was 38. Mm -hmm. And so now I've drank since then, but I also understood that, Hey, I don't need to go down that road. Right. It's okay to have a margarita sitting on the beach, but don't have nine. Fair. Because Fair you don't, <laughs> don't want to, well, I just don't want to open that up to me. Number one. But right. then as, 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 as I've learned more, I've also realized, and I don't know where you guys stand on this. For me, alcohol is so bad for your body, yeah. for your brain, for your yeah. body, for your gut, for yeah. all these things. Yeah, yeah. And it just 
gave me another layer of confirmation of like, hey, dude, is it really worth it? Yeah. At 45, that margarita feels a lot different. <laughs> a lot different. You're so, like, what just happened yeah. to me? How am I like drastically dehydrated? How does this happen? One margarita. <laughs> two, <yeah. laughs> two ounces of booze. Um, so that's that's really good though. Yeah. So like the generational curse yeah, thing. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a really, uh, that's one that you can like look at and point. Mm-hmm. Um, and the work that I do, I think that it's, there are so, I mean, let's be honest, Satan is crafty. He mm. is smart. He's he so is good. prowling around yep. looking to who he can devour. Right. right? Um, and I think that the more we keep hurt and family junk in the dark, yeah. um, the more it can fester. So taking light to that that's actually where noonday's name yeah. came oh. came from is let's let's take light to the darkness yeah. like let's let it stop yeah. with us mm. um because i think generational curses can be you know like you said for your family like it, it can just it can be a lot of things it can it can be um it can be pride it can be greed it can be you know all the things there's so many different right. things it could be and everybody's so, just a little bit different everybody every yeah everybody's different um, and everybody carries it differently. Oh, so absolutely. it's like, it's like, I think I just, that always stuck with me. What my mom said is like, take the best of me. Hmm. I'll use that. That's great. Okay. So the last four or five questions I have are just random, the random questions okay. that I didn't even preface you on at all. So Let's what go. is your, you've got, like I said, we talked about 16 year old and 12 year old. What is your go-to activity with your kids sitting around Saturday, Thursday night, whatever, no practice. No homework, no nothing. What, what, are you, what are you guys going to do? We fight watching TV okay. because we're tired. Okay. You know, business ownership. Yep. It, yep. busy, crazy. So we fight that. We we love to play cards. Really? Yeah, we love to play cards. What is your go-to card game? We like spades. Mm. Well, Uno was a big thing growing up because it's all, yep. you know, because it's all the little ones yep. could do. So yeah. We That's do, great. We do, like, we do like a lot of cards. Who is your favorite follow on social media? Like when you see them pop up, you're like, oh, yeah. mm, that's a good question. Um, Ooh, that's a really hard one. There was a season that Kurt Thompson, do you know who Kurt Thompson? No MD? He, um, he's written a couple of books and, um, he has a podcast and it's on shame and trauma mm-hmm. and, um, it's phenomenal. So I got, there was, there's a season I got pretty pumped up and fired up for him and what's his name? Kurt Thompson. Kurt Thompson. Perfect. What are you focused on learning right now? Um, total, total transparency. I'm finishing a dissertation. So all I'm learning is a dissertation. I'm not, not doing a whole lot of stuff outside Dr. of that. Reagan mm-hmm. Phillips? Not yet. But close. <laughs> I don't know how close. Yes. That's going to be wonderful. Okay. What's your favorite vacation that you've ever taken? Um, Big Sky, Montana. I love it. With my three boys, the most picture perfect day, like, we all say it was just like it was just one of those days like ordained by God that you're like this is heaven. That's wonderful. Like this will be heaven. Yeah. Yeah. What's their favorite vacation that they, you've never taken? Oh, that I've never taken. We always say we'd love to go like um, hiking, Swiss Alps, or mm. you know, just somewhere over there, somewhere New Europe-y. Zealand, Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Just something different. Somewhere far off. Mm-hmm. Last question. What's the best book you've ever read? Don't say the Bible. Oh, that's a good one too. Oh, gosh. 
So how about this one? It may not be the the best book, um, but how about the most impactful one on me that changed the course of my career? How about that one? Great. Bessel van der Kolk, The Body Keeps the Score. You ever heard it? I think it's okay I have. You, it's I don't so, know anything. We have, a, we have a business on it. Talk because great. Don't get me wrong. We have a, we have a business on it. Talk therapy, um, but that that it's much more than that. That our bodies carry it. So chronic illness, um, you know, long term anxiety. Just it, it changes us. Sixty nine thousand reviews on mm-hmm. Amazon. It's a game changer. How have I not heard of this it's, book? It's a game changer for people in mental health. It was going in my cart now. <sighs> Wow. It's an intense read. It, it reads a lot like a textbook. It's very intense. He uses very descriptive stories of the work that he's done with clients. Um, so trigger warning for some people sure. if you were to go out and just read it. Um, but he recognized that um, doing scans of people's brains that had just had experienced like the trauma of a very horrific car accident, that their yeah. brains looked the same as war veterans that had really? been in combat. And so it was like, it just kind of, opened up like a whole avenue and it, I, I believe it changed a lot. So that, that's, that's crazy though. This is true story and so this is true story and so this is true story and so I've tested this. I met her, uh, she was with a redhead and the redhead was just strikingly noticeable. Uh-huh. She wasn't like super hot, but she had this fire red engine hair uh-huh. and it's like, I got captivated by it. Okay. Because that's what I remember. I don't really remember Jackie a whole lot from that Okay. It's very romantic. But, yeah. I, <laughs> not really. So then I saw her. At a spring break, no, a Memorial Day trip that a bunch of us took down to the beach, and she was down there with her family, and she knew somebody in our crew, and we really met them. Okay. And so pretty pretty clean, like, you know, she was involved with Jesus. I was involved with Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was not like, mm-hmm. you know, meet her at a bar or something like that. It was just very clean, and it was a good starting relationship. It was, it was good. So. When did you know you'd marry her? So we broke up, uh, my junior year of college, I was playing and I was on the way home. We got, we were playing, we played the university of Memphis and I was on the, on the bus on the way home and she drove up to Memphis to watch me play. And I played horrible. We won, but I played absolutely horrible. And I felt this, um, something inside telling me that I needed to break up with her. And do you have to have those times in your life where you feel like the Lord speaks to you and he says, how you do these things? And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. um, I was offered scholarships by Southern Miss, Memphis, UAB were the main ones that I was, like, quote-unquote mm-hmm. picking from. Well, I went to UAB, and I had the worst official visit 
on the history of mankind. Oh, can't wait to hear about that. Can't say it on camera. Fair. Horrible. And then I go to Memphis and it was wonderful. Like I loved it. Like mm-hmm. I love the guys. I love the coaches, the people. They, they did a great job. But I'm coming home from Memphis and the Lord says, you're going to go to UAP. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like a new. And so I did. And, but same, same reason. I felt like the Lord tells broke up and I walked into, she walked in after we got home and I said, Hey, look, I don't, this is really odd. And this is hurting my heart, but I feel like the Lord says to, we need to stop seeing each other. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay. I'm like, what? And so it was great. So then we were not together for a while and I dated around a little bit, not mm-hmm. like a fool. How old are you at this point? Uh, college. So 21. Okay. Uh, 22, 21, 22. And you're at UAB? I'm at UAB. She's out. She's three years older than I am. Okay. And, um, so I date around a little bit, nothing, not like a floozy, but I have a couple girl, had a girlfriend that I really, really liked that Jackie really, really liked, honestly, but just knew that it wasn't, got into it, knew it wasn't for me. And then after I, we, me and that girl separated, I just knew that, that Jackie was, she was my person. So she was in Livingston coaching at West Alabama and I was in Atlanta and it was just a really, it was pretty good, but it was a back and forth mm-hmm. thing. And then we were going to live uh, in Atlanta because I had been in high school football for two years trying to find a college job and couldn't find mm-hmm. one. And uh, I never told this story. So um, I had resigned myself to the fact that I was going to be a high school coach. Jackie was going to be a high school coach. So the principal at the high school I was at, my dad was, me and my dad were coaching together. So we got to coach together and Jackie was going to come over. Jackie had been hired as a volleyball coach. She was going to be a science teacher. So me, dad, and Jackie were all going to work at the same high school. It was going to be wonderful. Awesome. Great. Yeah. We bought a Your home. Your plan was wonderful. Oh, my plan was right. Yes. We bought a home. Okay. They did not tell me that the home was in a retirement neighborhood. So I'm 25 years old, going to live in a retirement awesome. neighborhood. Okay. So I buy the home. And the plan was get married in May, come back from our honeymoon, or get married in May. Instead of having been in a hotel, we were going to live. The first night together was going to be in our new home. Super okay. romantic. So Home wasn't ready. So we had to stay in the Omni downtown Atlanta. It was freaking horrible. That's another story. So anyway, we go to the honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And we're going to come back and everything's going to be great and all this stuff. And I'm off the plane from the honeymoon. I The first call I get in the Atlanta airport is a guy named Todd Stroud. And he calls and he says, hey, a guy quit last night. I've got a job at NC State University. Do you want it? I go, I said, I'll be there in three days. So cool. So we go up there and I'm standing in my office. My boss is coaching the NFL for 20 years. He's been coaching the Super Bowl. I've got a chance to be around all these great coaches and I'm just flabbergasted. I mean, my office is in a $40 million building overlooking a 55,000 seat stadium. It's just, it's, it's the dream. It's the dream. And so I get up there and I physically am, am like, controlled by not being able to make a decision i thought see this yeah coach i'll be here couldn't make a decision so the back end of the story is this i we had got this life we're gonna live in atlanta everything's great i get offered this job it's making no money jackie doesn't have a job and it's june okay yeah school starts in yeah july august ball starts in august mm-hmm. i mean we gotta go it's it's yeah. time and so Leading up to this, Jackie getting teaching in Atlanta, she has to take the praxis. Mm-hmm. It's a test you have to take to be certified. And so 
I hang up the phone with the guy. I leave Raleigh and I say, coach, I'll call you tomorrow and give you a decision. I'm just not totally sure. He says, great. Sounds good. So I, we're on the way home and Jack and I have been crying and all these things. And the phone rings. And it's 3.30 on a Friday in June. Who works in education at that time? No, no one. one. This lady calls from HR in Cobb County. She says, hey, Jackie, this is Cheryl. Her name was Cheryl. I remember this lady like it was yesterday. Is this is Cheryl. I've uh, just called to get your practice scores. Mr. Arnson told me to, Mr. Arnson was a principal, said to call and get this information. For She's like, yeah, great. She's like, uh, I got I got them here. I can send them what email I sent them to. She said, I passed this portion, but I didn't pass this portion. I'll just take it in August. And the lady goes, ma'am, I'm sorry. We can't hire you. Oh, wow. She goes, no, 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 Mr. Arnson. Mr. Arnson's already hired me. The principal already. She said, ma'am, I don't mean to sound rude. She said, but I do all the hiring and all the firing mm. in Cobb County. And if you don't have this passing test, I cannot hire you. She said, call me when you pass it. She hangs up the phone. She says, we're moving. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. So. Wow. Yeah. How cool is that? I know. And the rest is history. That's right. Yeah. What's your biggest regret going mm. back? Biggest regret. I know that the decisions I made have led me to the point I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. um, I wish that from a coaching perspective, if we're talking about that phase of, of life, mm -hmm. I wish I would have hitched my wagon to a coach that was going in a different direction than the guy that I was. Yeah. So we got fired and I went to work for my, old boss who was in retirement mode, great guy right. but in retirement mode. And I knew in college coaching, you have to be hooked to somebody that's going places. Right. And my guy was in the sixties, wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And so from a coaching professional standpoint, that was probably the biggest mistake I made. Mm -hmm. But I also know that it was, it's not as so much a regret because I know it led me to here right. and I'm a thousand times happier than I am here. Yeah. Um, I think from a regret standpoint, I wish that, um, I wish I would have done things differently with my kids growing up. Just, um, I missed the first three or four years of John's life when I was coaching, working mm -hmm. 70, 80 hours a week. I wish I would have not done that. Um, there's a handful of little, a handful of things like that. Yeah. But I would say that would probably be the, probably the top one. Yeah. They all lead us here though. They do. And so it's really, really difficult mm -hmm. to answer that question about regrets because. Very, very fair. Yeah. So, but yeah. I've, I've I'm love what I do. I've, we've, we've made some money. I am big. I am in a position where I can do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Everything comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. I can do kind of what I want to do. Um, I'm probably, I'm pretty unemployable at this point at 43. Um, I, I have a probably a hard time working for somebody now. You would probably say the same thing. Cause you can kind of go and do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but I enjoy what I do. I like doing all the different things. Yeah. That I, do. I like food a lot, but I love business. What, what all businesses do you have? You said multiple and I, I don't think I know that. Uh, so we have meal fit and mm -hmm. table and time catering, you know, medium range catering, high end catering. We feed Highlands college, mm -hmm. which is a great part of what we do. That's one, the food hospitality portion of what I do. We own a business called uh, Weddings Costa Rica, which is a destination wedding planning company that is, the planning is done stateside, but we plan with our vendors and 
people in Costa Rica that we have contacts with, whether it be locations or florists or whoever. So very planned cool. destination weddings yeah. in Costa Rica. Uh, I own third, 32 apartments. So we've owned multifamily apartments in Jacksonville, Alabama, oh, yeah. um, Scottsboro, and in Cookville, Tennessee. Very cool. And then we're looking at buying something else right now. So I think that's it. That's it. That's all. Have a have a house at Weiss Lake that we short-term rental called Walcox Point because the Coxes and the Walkers on it together. I'm not a fan of short-term rental, mm-hmm. but it's a this is a legacy property that we'll hopefully have for generations yeah. that we spent an exorbitant amount of money on, but it's absolutely breathtaking. But you love it. It's absolutely breathtaking. That's awesome. And when it's totally done, it's going to be magical. But just like anything at the lake, you always got to do something to it. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, you got to hand you got your hand in a lot. I do, but I got a great team. I got a great team that handles the bulk of all that stuff. I have to do stuff every day, but like right, like Thursday, I'm going to the lake with Jackie to go take stuff up there and go furniture shopping. So I that's awesome. I tell people say I know you're busy, but I look at people and I say I can do anything I want. I just have to have time to plan whatever thing is.